just do it. Because I think that if you really want to do something like that, you can't really make any assumptions from someone else's story. Like yours is going to be different. So definitely like try it and figure out what, if that's right for you. Thank you for listening to the Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Star Strength and Conditioning. We believe that by creating positive habits in sleep, mindset, nutrition, relationships, movement, mobility, and training, you have the ability to become better than yesterday. Yeah, as long as people get something from this, I'm happy. <laughs> okay. okay. Then it's a win. Cool. Hello, everyone. I'm Paul here with Ashley from Azura Bay. Welcome to another Better Than Yesterday podcast hosted by Stark Strength and Conditioning. Um, Ashley works in the building here with us, which is pretty cool. Not for us, with us, but she does run her online shop, Azura Bay, out of here, which is pretty cool. And uh, we're going to find out a little bit about her history, her athletic background, her skating, what it's like to be an entrepreneur, and uh, yeah, just how sexy and amazing it is, right? Yes, <laughs> so, all the glamour. <laughs> all the glamour. So let's let's start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ashley. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so I started my business five years ago, um, and I sell women's lingerie and some loungewear, a few things that you could wear to the gym if you're brave. Um, and it's all online. Everything that I make is, or that I sell is like ethically made and organic. So I'm trying to do my little piece to make the fashion world better. Um, in terms of like my athletic life, I am completely obsessed with figure skating and I have been since I was a kid. Um, how, so how old? How old? Two. Two? <laughs> yeah. Really? Holy man. <laughs> yeah, my parents got me those like... They're like strap on double blades that go over yeah, your yeah. shoes, like those suckers. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So two years old. Um, and, and have you, like, when did you actually start competing in it? When I was five. Yeah. Holy <laughs> man. Yeah. I guess I just always knew that that was something that I wanted to do. And okay. um, luckily my parents threw me in that and I just never really looked back. So what, why figure skating? I think for me, I have a lot of passion about creativity. And so it merges my athletic endeavors with being able to do something that's super creative. I love the like storytelling part and the like dance aspect to skating where you're putting on a performance as well as doing some things that are super hard um, athletically. So I just find it super enjoyable and I'm going to do it until my body doesn't let me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> until you have to go back to those double blades with the... Yeah, yeah. exactly. And George but, can pull me around on a string or yeah, something. <laughs> a little catapult. So were you? did you do dance or anything else like that or gymnastics growing up to be better at, at skating, figure skating? Um, well, I don't know if my parents actually put me in those things in order to help me with skating. I think it was just like the typical little kid thing where they just throw you in everything and... Actually, this is kind of a sidebar, but one of the things that I've realized during this COVID year of really having to adapt what I'm doing is that I just express, I need to express things through my body, like stress, I need to keep moving, whether it's an actual workout or I'm like, want to think something through that's stressing me out, even if it's just a walk, I feel like I process things yeah. through doing things. Um, so I was just a super active kid and those ironically are things that help you in figure skating. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
we weren't able to like keep me in a ton of things. And it is also like a skating mindset that I'm hoping is changing now. But the old school way of thinking is just more ice time, more ice time, more ice time. Mm -hmm. So I did those things for a little while when I was a kid. But um, yeah, it just became like mostly time on the ice as I was growing up. Okay. So did you do that all year round? Were you skating all year round or? As often as I could. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Sometimes we, like my parents didn't have a ton of money for it. So in the summer, if we could, then I would, but like, I never went down the crazy competitive stream of being able to do it like three or four hours a day and going to a sports school and stuff, which would have been super cool. But, um, I think that's partly why I can still focus so much on it now. And George always reminds me, by the way, for those of you who maybe aren't going to the gym and don't know my husband, George, that's who I'm talking about. Um, that there's a symptom in my sport of aging out really young. And so that's something that even though I didn't get to do the competitive stream that I wanted to when I was younger, I never burnt out of it. And so I get to chase the fun of competing as an adult now. And so how often do you compete? Like pre-COVID times. <laughs> um, well, hilariously, I'm one of the... Well, I am the only adult in my level in this province. So I would go... First place <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah, they give me a medal every time they do a ceremony. I'm like, guys, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just need the marks and your feedback. But um, it's really sweet of them to include me that way. Um, so I would do like usually three in the province and then one or two. Um, there used to be a Canadian Nationals and I'm always looking for places in the U.S. that they'll they'll have open sometimes that I get to participate in. And then there's actually more of, of people in, no in my actual level. <laughs> so is it, is it bigger as a master's program in the States than it is here in Canada? Yeah, it's huge. Like yeah. I think there's just like everything else in the States, there's just way more people and... Um, it, that's more conducive to keeping people going. No. Because it's hard to work towards a competition where you're hanging out with the kids and you're yeah. just doing it for, for marks. Yeah. They're like, whose mom are you? I'm like, yes. I'm an athlete. Totally. I'm an athlete. Yeah. Okay. So, so what's kept you going all these years? Like, so you're 16 now, so you've been like doing this since you were two. <laughs> No, what's what's kept you going all these years and and like sticking with that sport because that's pretty amazing that you've been doing it. How old are you now? I'm 33. Okay, so you're not 16, but no. So you've been doing this for a long <laughs> time. Like a lot of people end up getting either tired or burnt out on sports. And I know you mm-hmm. said you didn't get to that point where you were just like, you know, having it shoved down your throat and highly competitive, which a lot of kids do end up burning out, uh, especially like hockey and stuff like that when their parents are just constantly getting them playing hockey and doing hockey camps and like everything hockey. But, um, Mm -hmm. so what kept you from like not burning out and, and like being in love with it that you're still doing this at 33? Oh man, I, I don't really have like a logical answer. It's just something in me that loves it so much. Like whether like a bad day at the rink is still a good day for me. I'm just always so happy to be there. Um, it's just one of those passions that it's just like innate, I guess. Some people don't ever want to stop running. I just, <laughs> I need to be on the ice as much as possible. I'm really happy. That's cool. And you do have a coach, right? Yes. So it's gotten really interesting this past year. <laughs> <laughs> Everything has. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel like for me, it's been a huge opportunity because even with what you're saying, like kids being pushed in hockey, um, 
the weirder thing with skating is that it's similar to gymnastics where it's so hard on your body that that's part of the equation to people dropping out at such a young age. And then the rules dictate how you compete based on your age as well and what you qualify for. Um, and I'm really hoping that that's something that evolves and changes so that it can be something that keeps going. Like I've had so many moms say to me, like, I'm so happy that you're still going and my kids can look up to you and not drop out in high school when they just want to spend their Friday nights at dances or whatever. Yeah. And so one of the blessings of me not going so hard as a teenager is that my body can withstand still jumping. And we approach it differently now. Like we're very like conscientious of not trying triples for a whole hour a day. That's something yep. that we're strategic about now to make sure that I can keep going. And I've seen videos, like you've got bubble wrap and pillows strapped to you, right? <laughs> like that's, it's like the master's athletes are hitting the ice, like break out the bubble wrap. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> that'd be fun. <laughs> what would you try and fall just to hear that pop? Yeah. Um, so what do you mean it's not as hard on the body? Like, you know, as you're getting older, you had mentioned something about just it, it not being as hard on the body. Is that like you falling and hitting the ice over and over and again? Or is it just the demand placed on the body by like doing those triples and doing, you know, attempting things that are like on edge for you? Yeah, definitely both. Like it's when you're jumping over a double, it's a massive amount of torque to be landing, coming down from that onto a four millimeter blade. So um, between that and falling, because falling is just a given in our sport. Um, because I didn't do it as hard as a really competitive teenager would, I guess um, I haven't had any serious injuries. So as long as I'm careful moving forward, and we've worked a lot of stretching and yoga into my training now, so that can buffer me for from getting any injuries at this point. Oh, definitely. Like as people get older, sit behind desks, stiffen up and lose some of that like flexibility and mobility. Like I can't imagine what it would be like if you were super tight trying to figure skate. Like it just, that wouldn't work so well, would it? No. And actually I saw you at a point when I was kind of doing that. I don't know if you remember when I came by and we were really concerned about my back. And at that point, the doctors were brushing me off because I hadn't broken my back or anything that was super tangible. It was muscular. Um, and we ended up figuring out that I had crazy muscle imbalances in my body because we only land on one leg all the time. Spins, we spin on both legs, but we often do different positions on each leg. So it just creates this crazy imbalance. And that was like a good wake up call in my mid twenties to be like, oh, right. I have to do other things to make sure that my body is ready to handle this. So like 31 years of landing on the same leg and <laughs> totally. stuff like that created some muscle imbalances. Yeah, That's go strange. figure. Yeah. <laughs> No. Okay. So let's, let's talk about like the, the cross training aspect and stuff. And I know, so you've been doing like some zoom classes now before we were in lockdown one and two, you were jumping into some like regular classes here, here at Stark. Um, I know you're also doing some like strength related stuff with your online coach as well. So, mm -hmm. um, how has, how has stuff like that helped with, um, with your skating? Oh, it's been so beneficial. And again, like I even fall into that hab really bad habit of just going for more and more ice time, especially because my work schedule's crazy. By the time I drive across the city to the rink, I want to be there for a couple hours. And then yep. all of a sudden you're like, how am I going to fit in a, a strength training session or whatever? Um, so 
having the first lockdown where I switched to doing more time here at Stark, but from at home. Um, and then doing some like positioning training with my off ice coaching, which was just basically just like shaping and holding positions so that you get good habits for your jumps and your spins. Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually started training with a Cirque du Soleil performer for my flexibility, and that's been super fun and also super humbling. No kidding. <laughs> um, and when I went back to the ice in May last year after having that that almost three months, really, of dedicated off-ice training with a, a high focus of strength, it took me, like, two weeks to get back to normal. And when you're doing, like, a four-and-a-half-minute long program that's really fast. So that was super, super encouraging to me. And it's giving me hope for this next round of us being off for three-ish months, whatever they end up letting us get back. Three, six months, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, it's it's changed the way I'm looking at my training because of that greed for more ice. I'm going to make sure that every year I have an actual off-season so that I can make sure that my body is in the best shape possible. Cool. So, so the two weeks, was that like knocking the rust off and just sort of like getting used to the, uh, being on the ice again and yeah. just having that, that type of demand put on you again? Totally. Cause no matter what, like jumping on your floor is not the same. And no. You can isolate muscles, but it's just not the same as doing it for a couple hours at a time on the ice. No, for sure. So how did, um, I know you were talking about your back and imbalances and stuff like that. So how has strength training helped with that and uh even the carryover to the ice like did you notice a difference with leg power and your jumps and spins and stuff like that uh like did it help with the speedy rotation and like tell us a bit about that um i would actually really like to go back when we go back now i'm going to video myself and see what happens with my rotation because i wholeheartedly believe that it probably will be better just simply because my core is stronger um, but I noticed it more in terms of going to work on a program. Like often when we're ramping up and learning a new program, we'll do sections of it and then you just keep kind of adding and adding. And then when you're ramping up for competition season, you do two back to back. So that would be like an eight, nine minute AMRAP in comparison. Um, and so when I got back this last time, I felt like I just had way more endurance and strength to handle jumping into that program right away. And I noticed definitely in like spin transitions is where you really feel like the muscular power because you kind of have to stop and then adjust your spin again. I don't know if that makes sense, but I could notice it for sure that there is an improvement. And even just learning something new in a totally different environment, like I had never um, lifted barbells before coming here. And it was like really empowering to like do something so different with my body. So were you, okay. So touch on the barbells. Was that, <laughs> were you like nervous about it at first? Cause yes. you went through, you went through base camp, you learned all the movements and mechanics before jumping in. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be super comfortable with everything and, and super confident with everything. Were you nervous about using barbells and stuff like that or jumping into classes? Yes, definitely. Yeah. That was, I don't know why. I was afraid of it. I guess it's just something that I never did when I was younger. Um, and base camp, like, really gave me confidence, too. Like, I really enjoyed learning all the individual motions before going into classes. Um, 
But the environment here is just so encouraging that I got over all of those fears really quickly. And now I miss the barbell a lot. <laughs> That's cool. I've, I've heard a lot of people say that and like, especially women too. And, and sometimes they'll say like, I'm surprised that I miss it so much or mm-hmm. I can't wait to like throw a barbell overhead and drop it and stuff like that. So yes, that is one of my goals. Cause I haven't worked up to that quite yet. So yeah. <laughs> I would love to be able to be one of them. That's just dropping it. I look around in your class and I'm like, these ladies are so impressive and it's really inspiring. There's, yeah, there's some, yeah, pretty amazing, amazing women here. And, uh, I think, you know, some of them have been around for a while and it, it takes a while to, mm-hmm. you know, get stronger, move better, build some of that confidence. And I think like once you've got it, it's, it's really cool. Cause it does spill out into other areas of your life, not just in the gym here sort of thing. So totally. And I think that's kind of one of the, one of the reasons why people are finding lockdown very tough as well, just because now you don't have access to that something that, you know, gave you some empowerment and you know, this is for guys and girls, but mm-hmm. like it just gave you, you know, that, that sense of empowerment and sense of accomplishment when you're, you know, throwing weight overhead or, you know, just, just moving and challenging yourself. And I know there's a lot of people doing it at home now as well, but I know there's, there's something different about being in a, a room full of people doing, doing the same thing with the same goals and everyone's different ages and body shapes and types and sizes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it's like, everyone wants to get better. So it's kind of, you feed off of each other that way. Yeah, totally. And I don't feel like this is totally something I put on myself and is just a personality trait that I'm really working on. But I have a bad habit of like walking in and wanting to keep up with people. And that's not <laughs> healthy. <laughs> like so many that come in. <laughs> and no, or, or on the flip side, I'd be like, oh my God, there's no way I could lift that weight. And that's fine. And yeah. that's what the coaches are so great at being like, okay, start with this. You'll get to that. Yeah. And, and that has been um, really encouraging too. That's awesome. Um, how have you been finding, cause you've been hitting the zoom workouts at home. I was, I, was it last night or the night before yeah, I was like harassing night. you a little bit while Justin was coaching George. <laughs> what, what was George doing in the background? Was he reading? I actually don't know. I was getting really annoyed because I'm like, I put some music on. So I was trying to hear you guys. And then he's chirping. I'm like, my mic's not on. They can't hear you chirping back. So, yeah. um, he had run yesterday, so okay. he felt he didn't need to participate. Okay. I'm like looking because it was a it was a big class and I'm like looking at everyone in there and stuff. I'm like, is that George sitting on the bench behind Ashley in that? And I see you like look over your shoulder and like it's kind of creepy. He's in the shadows and stuff. To be fair, he did help me scale it because I'd taken a little bit of a break to get um I was really burnt out from work for from the holiday season. So I just focused on really lightweight things like running and yoga and like body weight stuff. So, uh, he, he was giving me tips on what I could scale down, but then yeah. decided to stay and trip me. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Little, little motivation from the partner. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so now let's, let's kind of talk about how zero Bay got started, but even before that, like, um, where, where did you start with, with work, I guess, out of high school or university or like what's, so what's the background there? Sure. Um, I had a funny moment this week, actually, because I saw in the Jets center ice, it said 2011. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been graduated for a decade. This is crazy. How did that happen? Like, what have I done with my life? <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I blinked and this happened. But um, so basically, 
I went to Red River and U of M for business. I, Red River was like a two-year program, and I thought, okay, this is my responsible choice, and then I'll go do something like graphic design or whatever after. And I really loved it. So um, that led me into a marketing career, which was super fun. I worked for a whole range of different businesses, including this called an incubator. Um, basically, the government, um, when they had an entrepreneurship division, worked with U of M to basically create a place where people who had invented technology in our city or province could get help on the business side of growing or, or marketing it. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to work with entrepreneurs every day there, and that was just incredible. Um, and it made me realize that I definitely wanted to do something myself. I just wasn't quite sure at the time how that was going to look. So I spent the next couple of years just getting experience while I had this thought in the back of my mind that maybe I could do something in fashion and combine my love of digital marketing and the online world. And somehow that came together into selling underwear <laughs> and lounge stuff. So that's, that's funny because when, when people ask, and usually it's guys, they'll be like, oh, what does she do or whatever? And they don't know, you know, that you're uh, George's wife and, and the connection, like, you know, how you got in here and stuff like that. But uh, they'll be like, oh, what does she do? I'm like, oh, she has an online store and sells like, you know, women's underwear and swimwear and loungewear and stuff like that. And they're like, how did you, how did you get that in here? And I'm like, well, I just put an ad in, in the paper and just said, looking for someone wanting to, so they're like, so there's like women coming in here, trying this stuff on. I'm like, no, no, it's an online store. So, yes. so, so how did, um, so how did it end up happening that you decided to go that route with the women's fashion? Well, one of the big things was that in university, I did this course called social marketing, mm -hmm. and it was really funny because I was one of the only people who understood it was like cause and social like social justice or ways to give back to the community through business. Most people thought that it was social media marketing, so they were really disappointed with the class. <laughs> but we were yeah. required to uh, volunteer somewhere, and I volunteered at 10,000 Villages, and that's what introduced me to the concept of fair trade and the realization that sweatshops wasn't just like a one-off story about one of those sports brands way back in the day, but it's a, a prevailing problem as our world is so globalized of this like crazy amount of um, hidden labor basically. And for, I don't know, it just struck me as crazy that this was a, um, an issue that was only being tackled by these super small organizations. And I think that we could just do better as society as a whole. And so I want to take my little hand at trying to make it a little bit better. Okay. So then how did you how did you start out sourcing out some of the companies that you order from? There was a lot of internet research, like so many hours of just reaching out to people all around the world. Um, and there are these huge buying shows for boutiques to go to. And so I would go through and like talk to each person there and be like, where do you make stuff? <laughs> but it's a it's a surging um demand for locally made items so mm -hmm. it was actually easier than I thought it kind of like I was thinking this as millions of other people were thinking this that 
um, it's really important to source from your own country and give jobs back to your own community. And so it was just a mix of seeking out brands and just reaching out to them and potentially meeting up with them at these trade shows. But I also just flew to people's warehouses and met them there too. So it's been kind of a random wild adventure of finding stuff. So are you trying to find stuff that is a bit more local, like made in Canada or Canada and the U.S.? Or like what do you have a, a certain criteria where you have to like check certain boxes for yes. you to be able to sell it? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, so made in Canada clothing is really difficult. Um, it's something that's growing right now, which is really exciting. So if I can source from Canada or the U.S., that's wonderful. And if the brands produce somewhere else, I always make sure that they have some certifications. There's a lot of them, like there is fair trade certified products. Um, there's a global textile standards stamp and like all of these organizations go in and provide transparency into the labor practices being used and give basically, um, give the companies credibility instead of them just telling me, yeah, of course we know what's happening over there. Because it's not common. It's very, very, very expensive to own your own factory and have control of your supply chain, especially for fashion, because the threads come from somewhere else. The elastic comes from somewhere else. Like pieces are being produced in separate areas and then right. finalized somewhere else. So right. yeah, so it's a tricky thing. But yeah, that's basically, I start from North America where we have really good uh, labor standards and then look for those certifications elsewhere. Okay. I've, I found it crazy when I was sourcing out some uh, shirts that we got done. This was a while back, a few, uh, two, three orders ago. And I was talking to the person that was doing, um, that was getting the order together and everything. And they had mentioned how the cloth for the shirts comes from Canada, so it's made here, and then it's shipped to China to get cut and stitched up, and then it's sent back, and then they print on it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, that, like, that just blew my mind. Like, you are sending, like, all this cloth on a tanker in a big, uh, one of those big steel whatever mm -hmm. uh, containers to go and get cut, stitched, and sent back. And it just, like, that kind of made it click for me how how much I guess people are getting paid down there to do the work, like to actually ship it that far, thousands of miles via sea mm -hmm. and then get it back. It's like, holy crap, like that's unbelievable. So when you're looking at stuff and, and I guess, you know, on the business end of things, you, you take a bit more of a hit because now mm -hmm. you're paying a bit more for like ethically sourced clothing than someone who's like, I want to get like the cheapest thing and make the most profit off of it. Totally. Yes. It definitely drives up prices all around. And, and even when you're thinking of like being earth conscious, that double yeah. shipping over an ocean, that's yeah. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so the more that we can reduce all those steps usually means that it's better for the people making it and the planet as well. So no, for sure. Um, so when you, how did it work when uh, you started Azura Bay? Was it Azura Bay right from the beginning? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how did you get into it in the way of like you were working full time? I know you were doing some marketing for a company and then did you just like, 
did you have a zero bay going and then you were like dividing your time up and like, I can't, I can't do all of this. Or did you just like make the leap and say, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and leave <laughs> everything behind? Um, that's a really interesting question. I, I had always been doing some freelance on the side with that job, which they knew about. Um, so it was cool, but I figured that that would make the most sense to just ease the risk. And so at the beginning, I was doing some marketing consulting for about half my time, which really ended up being like sometimes all my time and then a second job of opening my store. Um, so I did that about two and a half years before it was like the momentum was there with Azura Bay enough slash the workload was so crazy that I, I just needed to be like, okay, I'm all in on this. I'm going to give it everything. And right. so, yeah, I haven't looked back since then. So were you nervous about making that jump and about not having, um, not having that security? Like, I guess in your previous job, you had like pension or pension benefits, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a regular, like, salaried position, so yeah. definitely um, it's scary to leave that, and it was something that George and I prepared for for a while because we knew that, especially an inventory-based business, oh my gosh, I have to put up so much money out front, and there's another situation where if I was just ordering from China, I could change my inventory weekly. Like, it's crazy, the stories I hear from people who aren't factoring that in, mm -hmm. um, you just when you're working with small independent designers, you have to buy stuff six months in advance. So yeah, it's definitely like a huge risk. Um, and it, it was for sure scary to leave that, but I just really needed to know if I could do it. <laughs> so you got to be pretty organized. Like you can't be like, holy shit, it's February. We got to get some spring stuff ordered, right? Like. <laughs> Exactly. And that's where, like, I was so, so lucky um, in how my business was set up when COVID hit, of course. Like, I, I'm online, so I'm, like, I'm able to work. But the production issues is where things hit for me. And it was, like, every single day I was talking to vendors this past year being like, okay, so is this coming? Is that not coming? When is this coming? Can I order more? Like, how are we going to prepare for Christmas, that was a whole wild ride. Um, so, yeah, that part's really a huge part of what I deal with every day. <laughs> okay, so when you're when you're planning all that stuff, like obviously you've got to be fairly organized to <laughs> to have all that going on to know, like, hey, six months from now, I have to have all this stuff, this stock, this you know, all these things in order to to be able to you know, obviously sell them for Christmas or for spring or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, how did it work? I know, so you were you were doing this stuff out of your basement previously before yep. kind of getting the, <laughs> the office upstairs here um, adjacent to me. So how did that work? And, and then I guess what made you decide, like, I got to take the jump and get out of the basement and stuff like that? <laughs> well, besides the fact that we couldn't watch TV in our own house... Yeah. <laughs> Um, I really, really, really wanted help. And in order to get somebody 
on my team, I didn't want them to come and package stuff in my basement while I'm like sitting on the couch working for my computer. Um, so it was just, it was time. The inventory was taking over everything and it was taking over my whole day. Like I couldn't do anything strategically if I'm busy just dealing with customer service, right? So yeah. um, that was like, just the most incredible thing that this aligned so quickly too. Cause I said to George, I'm like, I think I'm done. Like, I think I need to get out of here. And I was expecting it to be really difficult to find a space. So that was such a blessing that this ended up working out. Um, and I hired someone within that month that I moved in and, um, it's, it's really helped me grow to take on team members. And it's, um, that's been an incredible thing. Like a business and as a person, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's because it's different having a team now, right? Like it's not just all on you and like family members helping out, right? So now you're yeah. like directing and guiding people and you know. Yeah, I definitely had moments of imposter syndrome being like, who am I to hire someone and like manage someone? Because in my past uh, career life, I was technically called a manager, but I was more of a project manager. Like no one actually reported to me for HR things, like just project um, deadlines and whatnot. So that was like a whole new learning curve. And I mean, hopefully they're happy. <laughs> They've been around for a while. I, I don't see much turnover, so got to be keeping them happy. So that's good. Yeah. It's, it's a whole other thing to learn and figure out. And especially because I also have about six other people that are freelance that are remote. And so, yeah, I'm learning a ton on how to manage a team and, and to lead. And it's something that for a while I was kind of like, oh, I'm not really like a leader. This happened by accident. But this past year, especially, I feel like it's something that's helping me, yeah, be a better person for everything else, like how I approach how I act at the rink and be a role model for the kids there. It's just a whole other thing and it can be really hard, but I'm really enjoying it. That's cool. So you, do you do all of your own marketing as well? Like I know you guys put up a lot of different photos. Um, are, you're the one coordinating all that or do you have somebody who, who you know, does that, does the photography and just kind of like sends you stuff or do you have the vision for, for everything that goes on that you're posting? Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> no, I, well, and that's like my, one of my biggest passions. So I really enjoy that aspect. I'm currently working like my, one of the girls on my team is incredible because she's also a professional photographer. So she does all the photography and it's really nice to have her help on a lot of the marketing activities, but I am the one directing all the strategy and what we're going to put out there. And that's something that I'm looking for help for in 2021 because I can't be spending as much time executing. I'm hoping to launch my own line this year. So I need to like take a step back and be more able to manage my team effectively because that's one of the challenges that I've had is like, okay, well, I somehow have to do my work and make sure that they're all taken care of and their questions yeah. are answered and whatnot. So yeah, yeah that's, that's, I don't want to take away the, the strategy part and the vision and maybe tying everything together with the team for the marketing side, but I definitely need help with the execution this year. Yeah. Yeah. Social media is like really fun, but also a huge time suck. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of work too. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. You don't just have to throw up posts, but you got to be... 
you got to make sure they're appropriate. You've got to mm -hmm. like respond to people when they have like questions or comments and stuff like that. And it's, uh, yeah, it is quite a bit of work. Yeah. Like I, I've used, um, there's an app called Planoly and, and there's a couple like that where it will auto post to Instagram, but I've been burnt by making that mistake. If something happens mm -hmm. in the world news, you better not have auto posted something that's uh, tone deaf to that. So yeah. it's something that you have to be on top of all the time and can be really draining in that aspect. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be on top of it. Um, so with, uh, you know, with becoming an entrepreneur, is it as hot and sexy as everyone thinks it is? You get to make your own hours. You can do <laughs> like whatever, you know, whatever you want as a business owner. Tell us about that, Ashley. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, I have to say, since COVID hit, I don't think I've heard the must be nice to work at home thing ever again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are perks to that. But um, I actually, when I was working at home all the time, I used to go to Starbucks just to be around people sometimes just because like yeah. it gets weird being alone in your room. So I can totally empathize with people who have been forced to be in that situation. But yeah, it is um, glamorous on the days where I'm at a photo shoot and live streaming how my beautiful models are being hilarious and we're looking at all this amazing clothes or when I travel to go source things. And then everything in between is basically paperwork and late nights. So <laughs> so you're not just like, you know, living the life of luxury and no, like, no. No, um, I think that's something that is really interesting if, if somebody wants to become an entrepreneur, I think it's important to realize that it takes such a grind to get, like it's, I care about it so much. I love what I do and I'm super passionate about it, but it's, it's a lot. And if something goes wrong while you're on vacation, you're dealing with it. Like, yeah. so <laughs> I don't know about the make your own hours thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's, as you grow, you end up getting the right people in the right places and stuff like that. So yeah, if you are on vacation, see, I know one of the, one of the goals for an, a mentoring group that I worked with was to be able to just like take a four week vacation and not have to check your email and wow. to not have to not have to be following up with people every day. And that just shows like, you know, having the right systems in place, the right mm -hmm. people in place um, that know what they're supposed to be doing and when and having the right people that know how to you know make good decisions uh, really comes into play. And that's a that's a great thing because you can still, you know, focus on the vision and where you want the the business going. But I know some days like when when all you're doing is maybe responding to emails and comments on social media and like all the day to day stuff, it's it's hard to like dream up where you're going next, right? Mm -hmm. So for sure. And that is definitely like yeah, I'm not saying that it's impossible. It's a goal and something that I've been inching towards every year gets better. For sure. And when it comes to like empowering those team members to do things, that's that's a kind of like a check that I have in place for myself. It's like, did they miss that or did I not explain that? Or did I not empower them to make the right decision there or, or give them freedom to figure that out? Um, that's something that a, a manager of mine once told me when I was working for him is that you always take the blame as the manager and um, pass along the credit to your team. And I think that's really important and something to remember when I'm looking at, oh my gosh, it feels like I can't leave. Like, can I not? Or have I not set up the right thing yet for my team to do it? Yeah. 
No, I think about that a lot too. And it's, yeah, blame yourself first. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, if someone does something, you know, wrong or out of the ordinary or whatever, it's like, you know, first initial reaction is like, shit, like, why did they do that? But then kind of like, well, did I, you know, tell them not to do that? Or did I give them appropriate expectations so that, you know, if that scenario came up, then, you know, they would have the tools to deal with it sort of thing. And mm-hmm. sometimes the answer is like, nope. I, I screwed up. That's yeah. that's on me, sort of thing. So, especially when you're moving so fast, right? Yeah. Like, I think small businesses are always like jack of all trades for a long time. So it's very yeah. easy to let those kind of things slip and then be like, "Whoa, what happened? Oh, yeah, okay, I didn't tell anyone to do that." Yeah. <laughs> so, did you find it hard hiring staff and giving? giving control of certain things away or like did you hold on to stuff did you were you are you like a micromanager like I hope I'm not I I think I'm probably two hands off actually um where they're like hey uh I don't know what this means (laughs) and so (laughs) also because of course like this year we're staggering shifts and stuff to like be as safe as possible so sometimes now it's been like a learning curve of how to how to um, instruct my in-person staff in a way that works for them too. Um, but so far so good. Oh, that's it. Yeah. It does take time and practice. And then when things are changing, like, you know, COVID and you have to kind of revamp some plans, then that, uh, that does take its toll. And you, you think you're going in a great direction and everything's going great. And, uh, <laughs> I've, I've kind of felt like that before both lockdowns because I'm like we were doing the best we, we ever have like prior to both lockdowns. And then mm-hmm. I think uh, last March it was kind of like, hey, what's going to happen now? <laughs> and then the first lockdown hit and then, you know, you, you kind of build back up and then things were going great before the second lockdown as well. And it's just like you learn how to like pivot and move and do the best you can with what you have and where you're at. And um, yeah, it's it's an interesting challenge. Um, any words of wisdom or words of advice for someone, whether it is male or female, um, wanting to, to go and make the jump, maybe opening their own business or their dream or something along those lines? Ooh, good one. Um, I have like 30. (laughs) 30. All right. (laughs) Lots of time here. One, just do it. Cause I think that if you really want to do something like that, you can't really, make any assumptions from someone else's story like yours is going to be different so definitely like try it and figure out what if that's right for you um I'm learning now it's funny because I thought for a long time that the marketing consulting would still be like a huge part of what I was doing and so that didn't end up being the case and I'm still extremely happy with what I'm doing now um but something that I had to learn in the first two years for sure was to trust my instinct and trust myself in my research and not let all the advice creep in, like be selective with what you listen to. Like Mm -hmm. if that person has experience in what you're working on and values that match yours, then maybe let that in, but don't just, um, don't get overwhelmed by the things that people will, (laughs) will tell you because it'll be a lot and it'll be contradicting. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That, so with that being said, um, I guess when you were going to start Azura Bay, um, what 
did you have people that were like, no, don't do it. Like stick to the, stick to the nine to five or eight to four or whatever. Like, did you have any of that? I don't want to say negative. I know some people are, whether it's parents or friends or whatever, they're like concerned for you. They want, you know, the best for you. And, and when you're going into the unknown, there's no certainty Mm -hmm. there, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've actually been extremely lucky in that sense. (laughs) Like, I don't know if everyone just knows that I'm that stubborn and they didn't bother. Um, She's not going to listen anyways. (laughs) I think what more so got in my head was wrong. I don't want to say wrong hires because they weren't really hires, but like advisors that I, I, that didn't really understand my business that were giving me advice that freaked me out or that I thought I should listen to. Like for example, one of my first accounting advisors had a totally different idea of what I was trying to do, but I took his advice to heart and it caused me so much stress for several months because I thought I was failing and I really wasn't at all. He just did not understand what I was trying to do um, or take the time to like really understand what point I was at. So that's kind of like where that, for me, I think that huge, I think it's a huge um, lesson that I learned was to really filter who I'm listening to and make sure that they align with what I believe in. Cool. Oh, that makes sense. Any, any other tips or words of advice? I know you said you had like 30 of them. (laughs) You gave us like two. Um, well, in terms of an inventory based business, I would take out more money than you think you need. I wish that I had done that because getting expansion capital is really hard. No. Um, and it's not as hard to get startup cash. Okay. So that's something that's like practical, I think. Um, two more. Two more. Ooh, two more. Okay. Oh, this is hard, actually. Okay, maybe I don't have 30. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I have three or four. <laughs> I, have a, I have an athletic one, though. Okay. So because my community of figure skating in this province is quite small... Um, and therefore I think like some of the thoughts are a little bit old school and there weren't other adult skaters like me. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like I shouldn't be there. And some people did make some comments and kind of made me feel like, oh, well, why is she like taking up ice with all of these like competitive kids or whatever? Um, so I don't know if there's anyone out there that's like thinking of trying a sport or continuing a sport that they feel like, oh, there's no one else doing this. Why would I do this? Or like people are not going to take me seriously. I think just find your way to do it and carve out your space because it's so worth it. And now through COVID, I have like a huge amount of friends in the States that are all the way up to like 60 and starting to learn skating at this point in their life. And it just feels really good to realize like, I'm not alone in this. I'm not mm-hmm. the crazy one. And I mean, ultimately I love Even it if so you much. Are. I would still do it. That's all right. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So if, if that's like holding someone back, I, I would say just go for it. Cool. All right. Last question. Why is zero Why Why that name? Oh, it's a really cheesy reason. Okay. Oh my gosh. So I was brainstorming with my family and I was feeling really stuck. And I had found the word Azura, which I really loved because it's a derivative of both. Um, oh my gosh. Why can't, why can't I remember right now? Well, the Spanish word for blue is Azure with an E. And then um, 
there's a Middle Eastern language that has Azura in it. Um, and I can't believe I'm blanking on that right now. But anyways, I liked that word and we were trying to like, like make a decision on that because there is a company that has swimwear in, in Australia that's called Azure Swim. Okay. Um, and basically my parents suggested a place because I'm trying to make the my little piece of the fashion world a better place. So I imagined Azura Bay being like an idyllic place where things are great for all people and the planet. Awesome. <laughs> That's cool. That's not cheesy. Oh, I, I feel like it's I a little think... cheesy, but thank All right. you. All right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Where can people where can people find you? What's your what's your uh, handle on Instagram? It is Azura underscore Bay. So A Z U R A underscore B A Y, and that is where the most up to date content is from my store. Okay, and people can order directly from your website as well, right? Yes. Yeah. I have, if you DM me or leave us a note, we do have a Winnipeg pickup option. So awesome. we can help you out there too. Very cool. But you can't come in and try stuff on. No. no I have a good, that's... I have a very good exchange and return policy though. Awesome. <laughs> good to hear. Cool. Well, we'll put, uh, we'll put that information in our show notes here. So thank you very much for taking the time to jump on the podcast. This was your first podcast. I think you did really well. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. And uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions and wants to reach out to Ashley directly, um, yeah, DM on Instagram and, uh, or check out their website and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this podcast has made you a little bit better than yesterday. And uh, we look forward to, shooting out more podcasts towards you guys if there's anyone that you think we should have on um, that you think could help others then let us know take care everyone and stay safe thank you for making the time to listen to the better than yesterday podcast hosted by stark strength and conditioning if you liked our show please head over to the itunes store and give us a rating if you have any questions or suggestions about topics you'd like to hear us cover or people you think should be on this show, please let us know so we can make it happen. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that this podcast makes you better than yesterday.